podcast one production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. One thing I love about having covered Hollywood for so long is all the history I've shared with so many Aussie stars, and none more so than Nicole Kidman. I was the first journalist to interview Nick back in 1983 when she was a 17-year-old girl filming a miniseries in Melbourne called Five Mile Creek, and I wasn't much older. We reunited when she arrived in LA to audition for the Tom Cruise movie Days of Thunder, and she's been a loyal friend ever since. In fact, as she briefly alludes to in our chat about her amazing career and what it takes to sustain it, I'm also a little responsible for her and Keith ending up together, but the details are only shared with us. So when we sat down to record the podcast, it's not surprising both of us felt a little strange suddenly being on the record. Tell us a little bit about like what it was like when you got to LA. This is so weird, Jenny. Oh, my <laughs> God. Okay, I'm it's putting okay. on my, I'm no, putting on no, my no, no, no. being interviewed hat. It's a conversation, um, don't yeah. worry, we're chatting. Um, when I first came over, I just remember, yeah, there wasn't really... I mean, there was all of the icons in terms of Australian cinema, um, but Judy Davis was probably the, the most um, prominent in terms of a female. There was Wendy Hughes as well, there was Robin Nevin... But um, Judy, and probably because I looked a bit like Judy, um, Judy was very much the the woman that I aspired to be. And um, so I think she'd done Passage to India. She'd worked with David Lean. She'd done, you know, she'd, she'd been nominated for BAFTA. She, she had world acclaim. But um, I came to, uh, I think it was New York first. Kennedy Miller brought me over. And I just remember being completely overwhelmed by the magnitude of America. What were you doing with Kennedy Miller in New York? Because they brought me over because I'd done Dead Calm and I'd done Vietnam and I'd done Bangkok Hilton with them. So they brought me over for Dead Calm to start, you know, doing some publicity. And there's people at Warner Brothers at that time who are still at Warner Brothers who remember me coming in and meeting them because Warner Brothers had Dead Calm over here. And I just remember being... um, completely like oh my gosh I remember getting dressed and wearing a suit on the plane because I thought oh I better dress up and look really great when I get off the plane so that I look really like I've made an effort and I'm very official I mean nobody cared less but for me it was that thing of respecting that suddenly someone was buying me a ticket to fly overseas that had never happened to do publicity and I remember being in New York and staying in this hotel room and just, you know, worrying about how much the room service was going to cost and sort of trying to, because <clears throat> I had no money, and really trying to just be careful um, and didn't realise that I was going to get a, a small per diem but just thought, oh, my gosh, I can't afford any of this, so <laughs> I better just, you know, go down and try and get some food in um, the little local sort of supermarket nearby. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a good way to come into America because uh, having comes had... Your, is it a cappuccino? Can we close that door as well because it's too loud for you, isn't it? No, 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 I like having the really? noise okay, if you like. Yeah. yeah. We're, I should say okay. we're on the 15th floor of the Four Seasons where Nick and I have done many, many Countless chats. junkets. And uh, you can see all of Hollywood, which she owns now, given... 
Doesn't have to worry about the podium in this room. No. (laughs) (laughs) But my nature is still, you know, waste not, want not, because I just, you know, my mom is still very much, I was just raised that way. Yeah. So I'm just not the girl that's going to go and spend ridiculous amounts of money on things that seem um, ostentatious. And even at my father's funeral, I remember giving that, talking about that, because my father was very much, I'd always say, Papa, you know, would you just fly, let let me just fly your business class, and he would not. He would only fly economy. You're kidding. Yeah, because his Nate, I mean, he grew up very strong Catholic, and... Just his nature, the way in which he was so, um, he was so much about he just being, um, I suppose, quiet and respectful and not ostentatious. Wow. Just a very gentle, I was, I have really, really wonderful parents. Well, let's go back a little bit then to that part because mm. your parents were incredible role models, I would imagine, and they were very strong, academic-minded people. Mm. What did they make of this daughter that <laughs> wanted to go off and be an artist? Um, well, my mother was also feminist, so and my father was was a feminist as well. So, in terms of um, a young girl wanting to do something, incredibly supportive of that. Um, both my sister and I, but at the same time, I think they would have preferred a career, an academic career, because that to them held more value and weight. Um, <laughs> so, but they're not a that. But as my as my mum also said, I was so determined from a young age that that this is what I wanted to do. It was so so in my DNA, and I have no idea how or why, but it just was. I was born. With that creative um, desire to express myself, be it through um, writing or directing plays or acting in plays or um, absorbing stories, um, an empathetic. She always said I was so empathetic. So when she was a nurse and she took me to the hospital, I would get very. Um, I was very sensitized towards the patients, and I would you know, ask so many questions and I would get very upset and feel, um, just feel empathy. And I remember it as a child and all of that, I think, goes into becoming an actor. And so they weren't going to stand in my way. Would they have chosen it for me? Probably not. But were they going to stop me? No. So you started working, what, playing around in the the, the youth... uh the Young Performers Theatre, is that the name of it? The ATYP. And then Phillips Street Theatre was the initial one that my dad found a, a pamphlet for because that I just desperately needed a, an outlet. You know, I was like, where can I go where I can do classes? And there wasn't at that time anything for eight, nine, ten-year-old kids that wanted to go and learn the craft. And what about your schools? How were they very... No, they were... At, well, because I was at North Sydney Girls as a high school and then I was at Lane Cove Public... A um, little bit, you know, but I would put on plays at lunchtime or I would rally the, the kids to sort of be in Greece for a special production of Greece. Terrible, but... <laughs> but um, And some of my girlfriends who I'm still friends with, who I went to school with since I was like six years old, Ursula and Miranda, and um, they, they remember they were in the productions. And then my next-door neighbour, Annette, who I've known since I was 
literally four years old. Annette, whose brother is Peter. Yeah, yeah. Um, She was in the productions. Peter was the ticket. He would collect tickets. I mean, that's, isn't that weird that we were next door neighbours? Wow, that's great. Yeah. You have a lot of history with a lot of, a lot of people. A lot of people with you, I yeah. do. So, yeah. but I'm big on, I'm just, that's who I am. I mean, my nature is to form intimate relationships, deep relationships and try to navigate through them for a lifetime. It's how I was kind of raised. My mum has the same thing and my father, they've got, I mean, my the people that have come out of the woodwork to take care of my mum since my father's death has been, it really shows you the power of friendships, lifetime friendships and what they do, particularly as you get older and how you need them. So when I first met you on the set of Five Mile Creek and you were 17, and I'll show everybody everybody on social media a really cute picture of you in that TV Week story I did. Um, I love that costume, by the way. You were a shepherdess, you were a shepherdess right? Yeah. With the sheep. Yeah, yeah. Time, Jenny. <laughs> Weren't you a sheep Anything earlier in a nativity play or something? I was a I... sheep originally in the nativity play, what yeah. What is it with you and sheep? <laughs> oh, I'm Australian. Come on. <laughs> so were you in, this, in the interview we did when you were 17, you talked about having this dream of going to Hollywood. Did um, I really? God. Yes, you did. Can you believe that you you interviewed me at 17? That's insane. It is. Talking about lifetime friendships. What's what's funny about it is I also interviewed a little girl called Asha Ketty the same day who's now... No way. Who's a a brilliant... Yes. She was uh, in the same production with you. She's an amazing actress. Yes, but in there you talk about wanting to go, you have a dream. In fact, the headline is Teen with a Dream. So where were you at with your dream at that point in your life? Do you remember this was before you got cast in the big miniseries in Australia and won a Logie and mm. long before Dead Calm? Long before Dead Calm. Um, I think I was just, you know, I had, I just had big aspirations, but I was very committed to acting. It was not about, oh, I want to be, I mean, I'm sure if I was, there was social media then, I would not have been sort of, that wasn't my trajectory in terms of celebrity or fame. I wanted to act. I wanted to play great roles, work with great directors and contribute in that way. That's always been the pull for me and that's probably been the thing that's seen me through many different, you know, paths and the way in which my life has played out. But the love of what I do has never... I mean, it's waned at times just because of having children and... and, the pull of my relationships and life, but the passion for the storytelling and the and the and the making of a film or a stage play, or being involved with a group of people developing a script, doing a table reading, even a radio play, anything like that, that has not that's never gone away. If mm. anything, it's probably um, I see the value of it even more now. So when you came over with Dead Calm and you were doing publicity, um, did, you, did you get the audition for Days of Thunder on that trip or were you back in Australia and had to No, come? I had to. I mean, I, I had a few trips over where I paid, for, you know, my own way and came and stayed in crummy little hotels in Los Angeles and went on auditions and tried to get a job. You did know. you know anyone in L.A. at the time? Philip Noyce was really, um, and Jan Sharp, and they let me sleep on their couch 
at the Chateau Marmont once. I was, like, sleeping on their couch in the room, oh. indebted to them. Um, and Deborah Lee too, right? Deborah Didn't Lee let me sleep on the floor. Um, Tom Burlinson and I had broke, broken up. Yeah, we'd broken up at that time, but we were such good friends that he let me sleep. He gave up the bed in the room. Oh. He slept on the floor. That's a gentleman, I right? That, that apartment Such in a good man. City, they, they shared an apartment as friends. And yeah, this was, was a house that I think Kylie Minogue's were... manager owned yes. or something. Yes. And so we would all hub out of that and eternally in indebted to, to all of these people because, and we were a group, we were a clan, you know, we were able to, we were the Aussies trying to make it overseas. So, was there a bigger group than that or it was really very small? I mean, Deborah then? Lee had a bigger group and Tom. They obviously knew a lot, a much bigger. But for me, it was Deb and, and Tom who were my really close friends. And Tom drove me. Tom Berlinson drove me to the audition for Days of Thunder. Wow. How sweet is that? Wow. I mean, what a great, great guy. Days of Thunder was sort of like the your entry into that Hollywood sort of system, I guess, in a way. A very strange entry. Feel your visions restored? Oh, I think so. Nothing's blurred, you're not seeing double. No halos around objects, flashing lights. Now, who, what are you, you going to do with this? Look into your eyes. Oh, no, Doc. Doc. <clears throat> Isn't this what you're really looking for? Well, that's interesting enough, Mr. Trickle. But it's just not my specialty. Very overwhelming, I <laughs> yeah. imagine, in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like you did the little movie and then the next little movie. It was like one day nobody knew who you were. And But I think because I'd done all of that in Australia and then I came over here and I tried for a while to, to audition. And, um, See, people never know that. People yeah. think that one day you just wake up and you get... Offered something and you, you, know, you put on a plane. Australians and all have that in common. They all come over and they really... And yeah, and you have to crash on somebody's floor. I mean, the hotels are expensive and there's only so much, you know, and then you're sort of hoping, hoping, and you can only stay for a week or 10 days or, I mean, I'm sure it's different now, but then it was that's all I could afford and then I would hope something would happen and then I would head back with nothing. Yeah. So um, when Days of Thunder happened, I remember going in and auditioning and kind of getting the job on the spot, which was crazy. Um, and Tony Scott, um, Tom and Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer were all, and Bob Town. That was the room that I auditioned for. Tough room. Tough room. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly I was cast in the movie and, uh, and I didn't know anything about car racing or anything and I, I remember or brain surgery well then I well because I was an intern everyone's always like she was a brain surgeon no I was an intern <laughs> so an intern is someone that's a lot younger that is learning and that is interning so that was the I was still probably young for that but not as young as for a real brain surgeon um so as an intern, but I went into the hospitals, into the emergency rooms when we when we were shooting in uh we started off shooting in South Carolina and you know, I remember them going, what is she doing? And I'm like, I'm doing my research. <laughs> you know, I always took everything so seriously. I did not. But, of course, when you get a big break like that, I was like, I'm going to do everything to learn all about it. And so I was in, I had them set me up for going into the emergency room and I was in that hospital for about five days during the day just, just learning how to be 
in a hospital in an in an emergency ward. Right. And they they made fun of me. <laughs> you do take it seriously, and that's well, what you have to, right? Yeah, I I I say it requires so much focus and hard work and passion. But you, some people maybe are going to be given things on a silver platter and it's all going to sort of just be a, a really kind of easy ride and you don't have to do much work. That's not my, it's never been my, my road. So was it easy to just continue on after Days of Thunder or was there a, a, a break sort of where you were hoping it would lead to other things? I mean, it's tough. It's tough to get the um, the role, particularly because of what I'd come from with Kennedy Miller. It was tough to get the complicated roles. When To Die For came my way, that was the first time I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a this really is a rich role that um, that's so well written." I mean, Buck Henry was probably one of the greatest writers, um, screenwriters, and for him to be for me to be working with his dialogue. My name is Suzanne Moretto. No, oh, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Suzanne Moretto is my married name. My own name is Suzanne Stone. That's my professional name. And then Gus Van Sant had just done Cowgirls Get the Blues, but he before that he'd done, you know, Drugstore Cowboy, My Own Private Idaho. So I desperately wanted to work with him. And he's very, very witty and has that sort of black comedy um, skill yeah. and uh, and he just kind of we had no money but he just I mean he kind of knew what he was doing he could do that stuff standing on his head and that's when I first met Joaquin who was the baby at that time and you know and Casey Affleck and they they played the school kids crazy right yeah so there's so many people in this industry now that I know have worked with or have had some sort of um you know, working or a personal thing where you just go, oh, I know pretty much most of the people of a certain generation in this industry now. Because as much as everyone thinks it's a big industry, I mean, you know, it's it still is a small community. It is. Yeah. You, you, you stay here long enough and eventually you know everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then the new generation comes in and you sort of help them and you um, protect them and, and, and work together. But... It's just, it's nice when it loses that overwhelming um, uh, shine to it where you just suddenly go, oh, okay, I'm part of a, a community of people. I'm part of a tribe mm. is what it feels like. And you've always been really generous giving back too on the other side when you talked about, you know, receiving that generosity. I know Ben Mendelsohn thanked you in his G'day USA speech. I don't know what ben. you did, but I think you fought for him I did. for a role or two. Oh, come on, the guy And is like, Naomi, you know, it didn't yeah. happen for her as, as quickly as it did for you. And, mm -mm. I mean, what was it like, you know, having your And Simon, Simon, I remember Simon them. They came up. over and stayed at our house and they, you know, had a child, Becca and Simon, and they had to stay in our guest house. And um, But that's... That's that's the fun of it. That, I mean, and also as actors and directors and writers, I mean, I had Sam Mendes staying in my guest house at one point because he was coming over trying to get American Beauty, you know, and, and oh. get all that, and he was in the guest house. <laughs> guest house could tell some stories. <laughs> that guest house has seen a lot of things. <laughs> and what about with Naomi too? Because you knew each other in yeah. Australia, right? 
Well, she, we sort of knew each other, but we weren't. We were not at the same school. Becca, um, Rick, and I. Um, Simon is married to Simon Baker. Yes, yes. Yeah. So and was an now actress Rebecca in Baker. Um, she was an actress. Yes, she was on Country Practice. She was a really good actress, and then she decided not to act anymore. But she and I were very close and went to school together. And then that's how I met Naomi, not just through Becca, but my sister knew Naomi and my sister's boyfriend at the time knew Naomi. Anyway, it's all so six degrees of separation, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, And so decades so, later. So you were, uh, you know, you were very generous in terms of just supporting everybody, right? I, like I mean, it was it friends. hard watching Naomi because it took her a lot longer to break through. And we yeah, were but all... I think I just knew that it was going to happen. So in that sense, it wasn't hard because I just, I have this, and even Russell Crowe, all of them, I just knew what that, that they were going to have. Ben, the, if you have the talent, I really think the career will happen if you also are determined for it to happen and don't sort of give up. Um, and, you know... Nay is tenacious. I mean, she was just never, ever, ever going to give up. So in that sense, she just, she was just, I, I just knew it, you know. Mm. And seeing Simon as well, I just thought he'll, it will, it will happen at some point. I mean, you must know that from you see all the, yeah. the way in which these careers play out, right? Well, and these lives, really, their lives, and they're not just the careers because they're kids and marriages and relationships, all sorts of things. But I think it's a, it's a particularly Australian thing and I think a lot of Americans ask that question, what's in the water in Australia, and they all yeah. go on about it. And I always, I've asked everybody who I'm talking to about, mm. like, do you have any theories about why, you know, it started off with a small group and now there's just waves and waves of them and mm. there's... A lot of people have different ideas, but most of them say they have in common, you know, that once you come here, you've just invested everything in it. Mm. It's like you're an immigrant and you're not going to go back, and, you know, a, as a failure. So you just you just put everything you've got into it. Yeah. I mean, do you, you've seen it from both sides, from before there was a whole lot of them here. Yeah. When, when you couldn't get your agent back in Australia before you came over. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? we yeah. all have in common that has made so many Australians... It's a small country for such a large group of people to have been so successful. Yeah, I think just a commitment to the work and the craft and um, we have great drama schools there. We have um, an abundance of talent because we're storytellers um, and because we're separated... We do have to work really hard. We come from a country that's smaller and there's the whole world out there and you go, okay, well then if I need, if I want to be able to work globally, um, and some people choose to only work in Australia because that's going to be a much, that that's the choice, that's the lifestyle. The lifestyle in Australia is so good. So the idea of having a career in Australia that's, can continue and continue with longevity is, you know, it's a rare thing, but, boy, if that's what you're given and that's what you get, that's an amazing life too. Yeah. You know, you can work in theatre and, and if you can still work in television and film and then live there, I mean, oh, I mean, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world and the quality of life in the schools and, and that's, a, that's a choice for a lot of Australian actors because they don't want to give up the life. 
the Australian way of life. Next up on Aussies in Hollywood, Nicole talks about why close friendships are the driving force in her personal and professional life, and she tells us why being married to another artist has nurtured her creative life. Is it a coincidence that you seem to be going back more and more, like in the last decade, to do, you know, you've done small movies, you've mm. done TV, you, you're going back to do Aquaman in Queensland? I mean, it's just how my mama is there and um, I want the girls to have, a, for them, to have Australia as part of their uh, makeup. you know, they're, they're, they're half Australian, so I want them to know that and feel that. Um, and, and also, the, as I've said, the Australian film industry is what formed me, is what built me, and I have an enormous allegiance to, to the industry. And the industry is, um, you know, Lion was a fantastic breakout film for the Australian film industry. So to be a part of that, I feel very, very blessed to have been able to be a part of that film. Sorry you couldn't have your own kids. What do you say? I mean, we, we weren't just adopting us, but our past as well. And, and I feel like we're killing you. I could have had kids. What? We chose not to have kids. We wanted the two of you in our lives. That's what we chose. It's one of the reasons I fell in love with you, Dad. And to return home for Top of the Lake too with yeah. somebody that you have such history with and now yeah. you're playing a character who I adore. whose daughter is played by Jane I know. Campion's who daughter. I've known. I mean, I've known Alice since she was born, so that's all. But that's my point in terms of the way life plays out. And I was talking to a um, an agent the other night and he was like, gosh, you've made really interesting choices and you're so brave with the choices. And I said... Really, my choices are based on friendships. I'm very much about friendships. So sometimes I'm going to go down with the ship because whatever it was, it was, you know, my friend asked me to do it or I was da, 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 and I didn't want to let them down or I did. And sometimes it's going to, that's going to benefit me too. But the friendships are what I hold on to because they're what I'm left with. As much as the art is there, I love the intimacy of a deep friendship. But that is brave because you're putting that ahead of what probably many agents have said to you over the years. Why are you doing this when you could be doing that? Yeah, but it's where my creativity um, is nourished and it flourishes when I'm with someone who I feel safe with, who's protective of me, um, who I feel very close to and I'm committed to. I mean, what more can you want artistically? That, that actually is a great place to go and create art from you know, rather than with a stranger. Um, so, but then, you know, someone like on Big Little Lies, working with Jean-Marc Vallée, I feel incredibly close to him because I didn't know him when I started it. But what we went through creating that role bonded me to him probably forever. I'm going to get you some ice. You're lucky I didn't kill you. What did you say? Could have done permanent damage. 
And you did end up, and you were good friends with uh, Bruna Papandrea, yeah. who I met at your That's wedding. That's what I mean by the friendship. Which is so Look how they play strange, out. who produced Big Little Lies, and right? I'll bring that to you. Yeah. And so for her to say, read this book, I read it overnight, fly to Australia, meet Leanne. Um, Reese is like, I'm in, let's do it. I mean, all of that, that's based on friendship. That's how it started. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And right. I like talking about that because as people always go, well, business is business. Yeah, maybe, but not when it comes to art. <laughs> and you've always been a very strong supporter of women in film yeah. and, you know, like to work with women mm -hmm. and have given a lot of women opportunities. I mean, the director of uh, Strangerland, Kim Farrant, you mm -hmm. know, she was the first time mm -hmm. female director from Australia. So, mm -hmm. And I went back there and did that with her out in that. And that was fun. I love seeing her um, exercise her muscle, you know, she's and she's off now. She's off and running and she's getting another film made and, and she's a great woman and a huge supporter of, other women in the in the industry but it isn't right that so few female directors are are working are nominated are being acknowledged i mean it's it's sort of shocking well, it still is shocking school play when are you going to come back and no. do it again <laughs> i've got two i've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and as you know that's just like there's yeah. only so much time and i'm really at that place where i have to be so um careful about what i say yes to because I will not be taken away from them or miss their their childhood. That's the thing that is, um, if they can't come or be there or if I can't work around this school year, then I can't do it. That simple. I remember you and telling I have no me problem you saying gave that. up a Broadway play um, because the family had a meeting and you mm -hmm. got outvoted. It's well, about going to New York. It wasn't like I was voting. I was putting it out there to yeah, say, yeah. you've just supported me in London. What do you think of New York? And I would still love to do that play. We're still in talks of trying to make it happen. So that was it wasn't right then. did on the West End called? Photograph 51. Photograph it's a, 51. It's a really good play, yeah. It. So, but for me and my family, at that particular time, it wasn't right. Is Will it be right in two years? Maybe. So it's that whether they will wait for me, I don't know. But in, in terms of that's just the working mother. I mean, that's what we have to juggle. And I'm not willing to, um, I mean, my, Sunny and Faith right now are so just ripe. You know, they want to share everything. They want to talk about everything. They're very, very vocal, very inclusive. And they're not teenagers yet. So I want to be there and be a part of it before they're like, no, <laughs> don't come near me. You know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does being married to an artist in a different genre, does it feed you as an actress in some ways that you never had before? I'm curious if what those two dynamics are like you, together. Um, Where are you going, you? Because you, 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 you help put us together. Um, oh, you're saying it on the record. <laughs> um when you're together, I think artistically you allow, there's a much stronger um, understanding of, of where you have to go. So just say Big Little Lies. He understands what that is. So when I come home um, emotional, bruises. yeah, but he's got an understanding of it. I think that would, for a non-artistic person that doesn't go to those places, that would be terrifying. It would seem like what's going on here? 
But when you're both artists together, there's a very strong bond and understanding about what's needed for the um, artistic life to to exist and grow. Because mm. a lot of it is is not just staying in one place, um, but growing and moving forward. Yet, as much as he will seek my opinion on certain things and he'll say, oh, no, she's involved in all of it, he's very much his own. I mean, I, I don't really know anything about music, so I can respond as a listener, but I wouldn't have a clue. I can't play an instrument. Um, and he does everything. So I sit back and I nod a lot. <laughs> I do a lot of <laughs> nodding uh, and a lot of listening. Um, but you're his audience. If you loved his music, you're the person who'd be getting the CD. and So that's actually yeah. the person he really wants yes, to get Yes, but at the same on. time there'll be songs where I've not responded to them and he'll, they'll go on the, they will definitely be on the album because I'm a sounding board but it's his own um, circle of that, if that. He's got his own process and it maybe goes full circle and I'm just sort of on the periphery watching it all happen. And, you, and I would say it's the same for me, even though, like, he won't sit and read one of my scripts. A lot of the times he'll go and see a movie and he has no idea what it's even about. Like Killing really? of a Sacred Deer, he saw it at Cannes. He, he was like, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Are there movies where you go, maybe you shouldn't go see this one? <laughs> um, there's movies when he just hasn't had time to see them because he's in the midst of but his own thing. But you don't worry that he'll be, it'll upset him to see you in... You know. No, because he's a grown-up. I mean, he is. He's an, he's an adult. He's a man. He's not a boy, Keith. He's a man. And he's seen a lot and he's been through a lot and he's a very good father and 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 he's an adult man. It's, it's great a great to thing you. to be able to say that about yeah. a man, right? It's great to see you so happy. <laughs> yes. <It is>. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... And it's lovely that you guys first met at an Aussie event, right? Yes, which we always get reminded yeah, of. Every time you go back there, everybody talks but, um, about it. That's, it's sort of cute, right? It is. Yeah. It is. You know, mm-hmm. you and he and who else was on, on it Mel. that night? Mel. Mel. Yeah. You and Kate he and gave Mel. me my award. I remember. Kate Blanchett. Um, and I can't remember who gave Keith his. Olivia. Olivia. That's right. Olivia. And so then Jeffrey gone. gave Mel his. Yes. Jeffrey so, Bush, that's right. That was a good night. It was a good <laughs> night for you. <laughs> but what, that was a good night for them. They had a lot of people there, right? Yes, they did. And it was great because at that point for Keith, he was, you know, Up and he coming. was still not quite at that point where people no. in Australia especially knew what he'd achieved. So yeah. it's great now that he seems to have found that back home as well. Now he's really... I know. Well, the voice did that as mm. well. His music, though, I mean, he's a music man. That's what he is. Yeah. He lives, breathes, thinks music. I mean, there's not a time when I, I can see him when he's listening to a song and I'll talk to him and he won't answer because I can just see he's listening to every single beat and rhythm and the way in which it's been constructed. I mean, he can hear it all. He just hears differently. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I don't hear like that. So do you um, still look for the same things in projects that you did right from the very beginning? You mentioned friendship, but are you yeah, looking for I challenges or are you looking? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to play it safe. Um, I will play it safe if I feel that there's a purpose to it or there's something really um, that's going to be put in the world that 
that I want to be a part of, I would play it safe. I'm not sure what safe and dangerous yeah. is really, but I just either connect or I don't. As long as I'm, as long as I can get in and feel the character, then I can play her or him. <laughs> um, no boundaries. Then. No boundaries, Jen. <laughs> um, but if I can't feel it, I do have a tough time because I've got to be able to feel it and then it'll flow out of me. And I know that sounds airy-fairy, but it just is, it, it's either in me um, or I am struggling to get there. You've worked with a lot of the younger Aussies over the years now that have come after you. Um, do you. Do you keep an eye out for who's sort of peaking and are you, do you I don't get really, I excited mean, when you hear about somebody, some young Australian, you know, getting a role somewhere Well, I like just hear that there's Robbie this fantastic, oh, yeah. Teresa I mean, she's, I love that there's um, a group of, of actors now that are sort of moving in and, and really taking a hold in the industry. Um, and at the same time, there's an even younger group. There's a 17-year-old that Jean-Marc Vallée is working with right now on Sharp Objects who they say is phenomenal. Who's that? I don't know her name, but they just told mm -hmm. me. You, had you should find out. And Anne Gowrie, yes, yes, is in Beguiled. Anne Gowrie Rice, yeah. who was in Beguiled, who mm -hmm. I didn't even know was Australian. Mm -hmm. One of the young girls in, in your evil stepmom school. But you're the Australian's godmother. What are you talking about? You didn't know she was Australian, Jenny. I did it. <laughs> Quick, get on it. Right? Well, now. I mean, you guys. See, now I'm finally at the point where I can't keep track of them all. No, I used to know so every many. single one. And yeah. Now, you know. Yeah. And now both of us are like, oh, did you Who? know that one's Who's Australian? That? Oh. <laughs> but that's good. It's all it blurring. Is. But the world, I think, is the, the boundaries of what country and who's playing what. And it's, I mean, I would hope that it's blurring. You know, we want it to be um, international. We want to connect and be all a part of the one world, helping each other and working together. That's what the storytelling's for. Is there anything left on your bucket list professionally that you, you know, you've won everything, you've played no, everything? No, I haven't. Well, you've... I'd like to do some more theatre. I would like to um, uh, produce more. I'd love to get a big Little Eyes 2 happening because... Um, Everybody would love that. Everyone keeps us. So I'm like, okay, come on. Um, Have you called me I Anne love discovering. Said, I'd love on. to work with a first-time director. I mean, to see Garth Davis go and have such a huge, um, just create such a furor around the world. It was fantastic to see him do that with Lion. And who would have thought um, to see Seesaw and what they're doing? I mean, they have such commitment to the quality of, of what's coming out of Australia and they're just, they've got amazing taste. So I'd love to work with them again. I just, you know, I like working with great people. Who doesn't? <laughs> And uh, as we always say, when you're like 70 or 80 and we're all in our rocking chairs on the front veranda somewhere, probably in Nashville. Hopefully walking around. Not sort of. <laughs> Looking back, yeah. you know, you'll, yeah. you'll, uh, you'll be. I hope I'm holding some grandchildren and I'd like that. I'd love a grandchild. <laughs> I'm all about the babies. <laughs> I do. I love. I love having. I mean, you've got. A, my sister has six children. I've got four. I mean, the idea of not having a baby in the house. Oh, we want another baby in the house. So maybe my sister will have another baby. I actually love being around children. 
I love their conversations. I, I, the, it's the most alive I feel. I mean, I like adults, but I love children. <laughs> I was so excited I'd finally get to talk to you about all your <clears throat> your amazing journey, and I'm so Thanks, I'm so grateful that I've got to see so much of it since we were seventeen. <laughs> Darn, it's really it's emotional for me. Yeah, right. A lot of yeah through and seeing you happy at your wedding and seeing you at the Golden Globes and. Don't you the make me you cry. won your Oscar. And you. So, so, I mean, I won't talk about your personal board. life right now, but, <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. your son's grown up. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't have a baby anymore. You have a little man. Now Thanks she's going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. You want that. Yeah. Mm, it's, that, that is a congratulations. <laughs> she's laughing. I'm embarrassed. Huh? It's true, though. Well, Right. Thank you very much for doing this and um, and I can't wait to see what's next. Nothing right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope you feel like you got to know Nick a little better after listening to our chat. Even I was surprised to learn a few things about her I didn't know before, especially the years she spent sleeping on couches and paying her own way over to LA hoping to get work. But like all Aussies I've spoken to, she's persistent and passionate as well as talented and it paid off. Shortly after our chat, Nicole won both the Emmy and the Golden Globe for Best Actress in Big Little Lies. And great news for super fans of the show like me, HBO has announced that Big Little Lies Season 2 is finally happening. Aussies in Hollywood is recorded in LA for Podcast One. Recording is by Andrew Sink. Audio production by Alex Mitchell and Nick Slater. Produced by Tim Dunlop. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.